0: Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for choosing us and seeking us and finding us. For giving your son so that we could become your children too, so that you could include us in your family. And thank you for all the brothers and sisters that are gathered here this morning, and those who've gathered in homes. Thank you for our brothers and sisters who've gathered all around the world today to proclaim the praises of God, to hallow the name of Jesus and make known His gospel, His good news, to encourage one another and provoke one another to good works and to love. Thank you. Thank you for these moments of being able to think about with our hearts and our songs and sing about with our lips who you are and what you've done for us. And because of that, who we are in you. And Lord, we commit this time to you of looking into your word. And we ask your spirit, our teacher, to guide us, to speak to us. Thank you, Father. You're a good, good Father. Help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you're being seated, I want to encourage you to turn in your Bible to the 23rd Psalm. I have wrestled this week, not with the Lord, but just within myself, about what to preach in times like these and for us these are unprecedented times we need we need our shepherd and we come to realize how much we depend upon him and I arrived here, I, I've preached on this before in these seven, six, and a half, six plus years that I've been here at Old John Hill, but I've read it more times than I've preached it. And uh, I believe this is where the Lord has led me to, to focus this morning. You know, we, we think about these times as being unique, and they certainly are in our lifetime, but they're not unique in the history of the world. Some of you history uh, professors or history students have studied the Black Plague and the Bubonic Plague. You've studied the the terrible things that went on between the mid 1300s and the 1600s. London, at the time, was the greatest city on earth, as far as size and power and influence the the uh the empire of england stretched all the way around the world much like america today and during the time of of its great power the bubonic plague hit 50 percent over 50 percent of the people in london died over 50 closer to 60 percent of the population of europe what we would call euro that that massive land bridge there between the pacific ocean and the atlantic ocean died many cities were depopulated And here, just just beyond any remembrances that anyone in our fellowship has. And we have people who were born just five years afterwards. But in 1917, the Spanish flu hit here in America. Churches closed down for three months in Louisiana. None of us have remembrances of that. So it's not unprecedented in history. The Iditarod dog race in Alaska, some of you have learned about that. And one of the villages along that, where where the racers stop for the night, get out of the cold, and and warm, eat, and refresh themselves, take care of their dogs, get a little rest, then move on the next morning. One of those villages in 1917, everybody, Everybody in the village but one caught the flu and died. And so I think it's good to have some historical perspective. It is right to be wise. Let me tell you, if they shut the casinos down in America, something's wrong. If Disneyland closes down, something's wrong. If Major League Baseball shuts down, something's wrong it is right to be wise it is normal to be frustrated after these weeks and want to after all we Americans one of our false gods you will not want to hear me say this but it is true one of our false gods is personal freedom we believe in personal freedom but we want to do what we want to do when we want to do it and how we want to do it regardless and there is there is if there is if there is a massive on the scale of Americans return to just being close and intermingling every every scientific fault that we have tells us that there will be a A renewal and a kickback a jump back on this virus that'll be worse than the first one that happened in 1917 more people died from the spanish flu in the fall when it came back because people got so tired and sick and tired of being sick and tired and being shut up and they just decided you know let's go do what we want to do and then it spread even farther and got worse and so i'm not trying to preach fear to you i'm just trying to teach wisdom be wise Don't let your emotions overcome your brain. But in times like this, we desperately need to remember who we are and who our God is. This will pass. This too will pass. Look in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And we sing a lot of songs, and a lot of our songs are about our. In fact, Jesus told us to pray, our Father, because he's emphasizing the communal aspects. But David here is writing, and by the way, you realize that the book of Psalms is a song book. The book of Psalms, Psalm equals, pretty much correlates to songs. They were used... They were used for worship purposes. And when the people of Israel gathered to worship, they sang out of these psalms. And some of your translations will have some little notes in there, and there will be a word, selah. We really don't know what that means, but we believe it means a reflective pause. It's like take a breath while you're singing or saying these. And these were written to be sung aloud and to be shared among the people in the the part of the psalms is what it's called you may find the word psalms of ascent and that's when the pilgrims when the when the people of God around scattered around outside of Jerusalem went back up to Jerusalem to worship together when the nation went it, it took a journey of usually some days and sometimes weeks and while they would travel together like that they they would have these songs songs that had been written for them to sing were prescribed and they would sing of the glories of god and of going up toward the temple to worship him i was preaching in africa in the bush and i think i've told you this story but forgive me one of the good things about getting older is you just blame it on being older if you repeat yourself. Another good thing about being older is you get to meet new people all the time, even if you knew them before. I was preaching in, a, in, a, in an area near Lake Kariba, a huge man-made uh, lake that uh, is massive. I mean, just Massive hard for us to imagine a lake that size so we were out in the village or going to village and um, I was preaching there and and I actually got started preaching about 10 o'clock that night because that's when the church 10 miles away got there but as we were waiting for them to come and watching the sun go down sometimes you could hear in the distance these beautiful beautiful voices Singing and making music, and I said, "Where is that coming from?" And they said, "Oh, that's the other church. They're going to meet us here." As they traveled in mass, walking that great ten miles. How many of you'd walk ten miles to go to church this morning? None of us walked ten miles to go to church. And the bigger question is, how many of us would walk ten miles to go to church? Well, in that place, gathering together. Is I I would imagine that if this went on another two months without us being able to gather like this, if we had to, some of us would walk 10 miles to get together, wouldn't we? I asked people questions, what do you miss the most? And they said, the fellowship. I miss being with brothers and sisters. You know why? Because God's knit our hearts together. He's woven our spirits together. We're being built together into a holy temple. Of worship our, our our lives it's not this without the spirit of god and the people of god this building just it's just a building but it's the presence of god's people that makes where we're gathered a place that is holy because when we're there holy god is there so these people were walking 10 miles and you could hear them in the distance singing and so i'm, I'm relating that to these psalms they would celebrate truths about God and truths about their lives and what was going on in their lives. And you can read through the Psalms and you'll see the whole gamut of life experience from death and loss and danger and sin and confession and despair. One of the Psalms, David says, Lord, you've made me to dwell in darkness. I've had to eat gravel and darkness is my best friend and it ends right there. And I'm, I'm wanting something that lifts the spirit up. And it's not there in that psalm because this psalm is written about the fact that we do go through dark places. And God is still our God in darkness. The very next psalm says, you are my light and my salvation. And so we, we sing these. Psalm 23 the lord is my shepherd and you could finish that psalm and move just right there the last verse says and i shall dwell in the house of the lord forever you could leave off everything in between it and you'd have a complete picture of life as a follower of god the lord is my shepherd and that's all i need to know that he's my shepherd and i'm going to dwell with him forever But there's that dash on the tombstone that goes between that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. When it says the Lord, it speaks, it's that word Yahweh. All four letters are capitalized in most translations. It's the word Yahweh. The beginning of the Bible God reveals himself in creation, and, it, and the name for God there is El, or Elohim. And then in the second chapter, in the third chapter of Genesis, we have Elohim Yahweh, right here, the first mention. The Lord created the picture of God with, with whatever name he is known by and, and whatever he is called, but his self-revelation of himself, God, the Lord who is, is my shepherd. This is a psalm about the benefits and the blessings and the greatness of the God who shepherds us, who treats his people as though they were his sheep, and we are the sheep of his pasture, the Bible says. Aren't you glad that it doesn't say we're goats? You know, Genesis, I mean, in in Matthew 25, Jesus said, I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats. What, the, what that means is that there are some who think they're sheeps and they're just goats. I don't know about everything else, but I know one thing goats do. They go around buttoned. You can't lead them. I mean, you, you can't drive goats. You can't lead them very well. You may have to pick them up and carry them. They're just stubborn. And, and they can go places and they're they're contrary. And God doesn't deal with us like goats. In fact, Jesus said, I'll separate the goats out. I'll keep the sheep in the big picture. We want to make sure we're His sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. The personalization here is that I am His sheep. Now I want to ask the question this morning for those who are at home on watching on video and those who are in other places watching and those who are gathered here. There's the personalization of faith here god is my shepherd listen to me you are not born his sheep in this context somewhere the shepherd who seeks the lost sheep found you and offered to you the gift of salvation of forgiveness our sins separate us from god And God was not content with us being separated. And so He sought us out and through His Son came and looked us up and found us. And when He found us and the good news was shared with us, we had a moment, an opportunity to leave our lostness and to enter into His loving arms. And receive his forgiveness. And not only that, he does something that no human shepherd can do with his sheep. He imparts to us his very own life and nature. And puts that in us in the Holy Spirit. He shares his DNA. Where he is. And he is ours. And because he's ours. as this big overarching com- comment, I, I shall not want. to be in want here does not mean that that we will never want something we have to have to look at the meaning of the words here the the word want in this case is not is not that i i just can't wait i'm gonna get a i tell my grandkids every time i go buy a little small bobcat backhoe i say oh there's my christmas present they must have put it in the wrong place i want one of those and if you take your grandson into the when he's about four years old, if you take him into Target or Walmart and you go down to the toy aisle, you know what you're gonna hear? What? Say it. I want that. I want that. I want that. I want that. I mean, we got wanters, no. We? we 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 laugh about children, but what about us adults? Maybe I've got my old truck, it's been good, it's good, it's reliable, it's dependable. It may be 20 years old, it's paid for, but my neighbor, my friend, gets this new souped up big time little truck. And all of a sudden my wanter starts wanting. Everybody got a wanter? We all got wanters. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about to want in this case means to be in need. Not what we desire, but what we have to have. Because God is my shepherd, I shall not want. And in Hebrew, if, if, I, could, if I could describe that to you, it's just, it's just basically the word that says need. I need. And then beside it, there's a there's that little conjunction that says not not my god is my shepherd and i will never be without what i really need when i follow him the lord is my shepherd now how does he provide for our needs well one way is he makes me lie down in green pastures um it's a picture of god our provider there's a little song we used to sing early in the days of uh, contemporary music. By the way, those of you who enjoy the, what we call contemporary, have you ever thought about the fact that what's contemporary now will be old in a couple of years? And, and what was contemporary 50 years ago is pretty old. It's a relative term, but when, in the, days, the first days of what we think of now is modern contemporary music. There were some praise choruses that circulated based on scripture. One of those was Jehovah Jireh, my provider. His grace is sufficient for me, for me, for me. Jehovah Jireh, God, my provider. The Lord is my shepherd. He provides me with what I need. Now, hear me. That doesn't mean if you don't do it, that if you' refuse to accept, access God's provision or God's way of provision or the responsibility that God gives you. You see, he, His provisions are, are always there, but sometimes, He makes it so that we are responsible for exercising faith and energy to access provision. For instance, He has provided salvation for every single human being on earth. But it is not an automatic thing. When we hear the message of God, The bible says today if you hear his voice do not harden your heart receive him and receiving him is an action it's not a passive thing god doesn't just rain our provisions down out of the sky usually he certainly has and he can but he usually does it in a way that requires our interaction with him. And even when he did rain down manna from the sky, what did the people have to do? Huh? You had to go get it up. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. He leads me to pastures where there is abundant provision for me. He leads me beside quiet waters by still waters sheep can't hardly drink out of moving water it's difficult but God brings us to places where there's easiness my little red bone puppy I have we have a whole house filter for our uh, to purify all of our water and, and there's uh sometimes there's a backwash and it it circulates out and I, I discovered that every day when it backwashed it dumped all these gallons and gallons of water in my wife's flower bed and and everything was dying and it was mushy. My lawnmower bogged down so I ran me a pipe out to one of my drains and I put it so that so that, that little pipe would go into the drain and there it would be carried off. And not mess up my yard and cause more grief and work for me well my little puppy i heard him yep one day and i heard him yoop 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 yup. i went out and i looked and i said what's he doing he's he's looking like that and he's putting a foot and he's and he moves over like this and he gets a little closer and he backs off like this and i think he's found a snake you know what he found that little water pipe had come out and it was with air in it, it was squirting out and he didn't know what it was God leads us to a place of calmness and there he restores our soul I was talking to the Lord one day and I said Lord this has been a weird year I mean, this corona stuff is weird. I miss being with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Can you say yes indeed? And then, Lord, you know that snake. That snake in my garden. Well, at least the Lord had a snake in his garden too. And, and that was weird. Weird. And then, Lord, those snakes on my front porch, that was weird. And then all of a sudden, my grandson coming down with this, this healthy young man, coming down with this leukemia and being so sick so suddenly, that was weird. And then when I think about our church and I think about, you know, it's good to see your faces. There's only about a half of our folks who are normally here. And I think that this is the second time we've basically had to start over while I've been here as your pastor. And, And I don't know if it's me or if it's you. I don't know. Maybe it's none of that. But in the history of the church, I don't know of these kinds of things happening so close together. And I'm like, Lord, it takes energy to restart. I don't know if you can appreciate this morning the the energy that was required of of people to prepare because we're set up so that if everybody shows up we can social distance you and get you in a place where you can see the screen you can be around other Christians and social distance and maintain that and yet watch and be a part and participate with other christians in a room because the the older worship center is ready to go this morning and the fellowship hall is ready to go so that it's the screen is up and the 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 worship and the preaching and all can be broadcast live and our church can come together and stay apart at the same time that took a lot of energy I'm grateful for some folks in our church that are willing to do that. The Lord is my shepherd; He restores my soul. We need restoration. We need refreshing. We need re- renewal. Psalmist said, "I've been young and now I'm old. Never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen their children begging for bread, but I've seen them go through some hard places." And the God who sees us in the hard place knows our needs. And when we need restoration and renewal, he'll always provide it. He will always provide it. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He guides me. He leads me. He guides me. I had started meeting once a month with some pastors before the coronavirus. We'd met one time uh, with like eight or nine pastors. I don't remember the exact number. And we were going to do a one-year go through. Louisiana Baptist had asked me to do some mentoring, and I was working with these pastors. And, and uh, we, had, we had everything lined out. We had the books to read. We had somebody that bought them, and we were ready to go. We got one session under the way, and corona hit, and here we are. And as I talked with Lane Corley, and I said, Lane, right now during the coronavirus, nothing in those books about how to operate in church applies to our current situation. But I want you to remember this. Two things. No matter where you are, no matter if you have no experience with what's ahead of you. How many of you woke up with a baby after your first child was born and you suddenly realized, I've never been here before? Yeah. It's the same way with grandkids. No matter where you go, if you're a follower of Christ, God has already been there. And if you're not a follower of Christ, He's already been there. It is not new to him. And so when you feel like this is all new to me, I don't know how to do this. I'm already worn out from starting over and I've got to start over again. (coughs) That's a good time to remember that God guides us and he leads us. And Isaiah says when we're walking those places, it says you'll hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it, a little to the right and a little to the left. The Bible says he guided the children of Israel through the wilderness with a pillar of fire by night and a cloud of shade in the day. And when that cloud left and moved, they went with a cloud. Sometimes God leads in front of us, and sometimes God leads behind us, talking, but God always leads people and the second thing about that is he always leads us in paths that are what righteous god does not lead us to evil paths god does not lead us to a path that dishonors his name and that destroys people god leads us in paths of righteousness why so his name can be glorified He leads us in paths that are consistent with his name. We are the people of his name. We are the sheep of his pasture. We bear his name. And so when God leads us, he leads us in a ways that that our paths will not dishonor him. Well, let's move a little further on. And I know, I've got to wrap this up. It's, It's almost time to close. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet, still waters and restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The valley of the shadow of death, perhaps there was a place in In Israel, in the wilderness, perhaps there's a place that they called the valley of the shadow of death. I don't know. But I know that life has lots of places where death casts a shadow over us. Sometimes it's death and the potential for death in our own lives sometimes it's the death of a friend or somebody we love sometimes sometimes it's the death of a relationship or a friendship but there are dangerous places these are dangerous times can we trust God to safely lead us through dangerous places through discouraging places places where the shadow and the heaviness hangs over us can we trust him to lead us there yes and listen friends you know one of the reasons we can trust him to lead us there because he sent sent his own son to go there for us first he's already been there and God raised him from the dead and he'll do the same for us I drove up. Debbie and I drove up Friday. Took Sarah to see our Brady. And while we were in route to Memphis, uh, he he got kind of weak and had to go back in the hospital. His blood count part of the whole rate, the treatment, the chemo treatment, the mega chemo, and part of the nature of leukemia is that it kills blood cells. And so his blood cell count gotten down to about seven. He had to have uh, Some more blood and uh you know this is one of those places where that shadow casts his his arm and waves it over you fortunately for us he was able to get out of the hospital and he's feeling better and doing better and we got to spend a couple hours around him and just a blessing to do that when debbie was when debbie was in the hospital having having A transplant. You guys will always be special to me as long as I live for many reasons but one is you were there. You walked through that with us. When a son goes off to the army or a daughter and the shadow of death casts a shadow (laughs) across us and sometimes that shadow lingers over us for a season it was 10 years that i would pray for my wife wondering if she would live much longer without a transplant and sometimes that shadow is our own imminent death because every one of us are going to die on this earth but the lord says we can face those shadows And not fear evil. Uh, Listen to me. I hope you hear me. Fearing evil is a choice. Whether we focus on the evil or the shadow. Or we focus on the Savior. And the shepherd. I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. And he moves from the third person the lord is to you are He listen the more you walk with jesus and the longer you go with him the more he becomes in your mind not not a distant third person but he becomes intimately in first person you are you are with me and maybe you have to go through some things in your life But if you live long enough and you walk with God far enough, your heart will resound and echo with the knowledge that God is with me and He will never leave me. He pulled me out of this. David said I was in a slimy pit and God did not leave me there. there. He reached down and He pulled me up and He put my feet on solid ground and therefore He put a new song in my heart. And I'll praise Him forever. You're with me. Your rod, your staff. Your staff you use in dark places when I can't see you. You tap that staff staff on the ground, and I know your tap, and I follow you. Your rod you use when something comes against me. When evil comes knocking on my door and I call upon you, I find you're already there, and your rod you use. Oh God, beats the devil with a big stick. It's called the cross. Your rod and staff comfort me, and you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You knock my head with awe. My cup runs over. God vindicates those who follow Him, those who walk with Him. Now listen, we live in we live in a day of instance. David didn't know all this early on in life. He had to fight a lion. He had to fight a bear. And some of those struggles were preparing him for a bigger fight. He had to fight a giant. And even that struggle was preparing him for a bigger fight. Hear me. God wastes nothing in your life. He wastes nothing in your life. When God gets through even the evil things in your life, he will bring good out of that for his glory and for your good. And so David is able to say, even when enemies surrounded me, Lord, you set up a table, and you just vindicated me, you, prepared, you, you kept me, you provided for me, and you came out and anointed my head with oil, and that's a sign to all of my enemies that your spirit is in me, and I am yours prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you'll my head with oil my cup runs over some of you who've been here with the Lord and walked with him for more than 50 years how many of you who walked with the Lord for more than 50 years how many of you would agree with me that God makes our cups run over amen young folks look around keep your hands up for a minute young folks look around look around this is a witness, and God is using the psalm, thank you, put your hands there. God is using that to say to you, make him your shepherd, walk with him, follow him, he will provide for you. Don't seek after the false gods and the pagan gods. Don't worry about making yourself rich. Don't run after all the trinkets that the world has. Look to Jesus as your Savior and your Shepherd and walk with Him every day of your life and He will lead you and guide you. And when this life is over, we'll dwell in His presence forever. If you've been been abiding in His presence, listen, heaven would be a strange place for people who've never been in God's household. People say, why do I have to come to church to know God? Well, you don't have to come to church to know God. But if the church is his household, and it's his family, and it's his people, why on God's earth would you not want to come and be a part of that which you're going to be a part of for the rest of your life? Now, I know and I understand there are churches that abuse people and misuse people. There are churches that are not what they ought to be. In fact, none of us are all that we ought to be. But that's not who we are in Christ. That's not who we are in Christ. I want to encourage as you begin to come back to church, and I want to encourage those who are at home, I understand immune systems and problems. I can't get close to people either. My wife has that problem, immune system. Understand that. You take care of yourself. You're not less a part of the church if you're away because you can't be here. You're not less a part of the church. We love you and we long to be with you. But if you're able, and when you're able, oh, make it the habit of your life that when God's family meets together, we meet together because we're His. Pray with me. Lord, you know our hearts, you know our needs. We pray that people be encouraged. We pray that they'll be instructed. We pray that there will be an element of uh, correction if necessary. And we pray, oh God, that the good news is that folks who don't know Christ will be encouraged to come to Christ. And receive him as their Savior honor this word lord in jesus name amen stand with me in just a moment our praise team's going to sing now you're welcome to make your way forward and stand across if God's speaking particularly to your heart and you want to come up this is a human altar it represents a heavenly altar and God sometimes requires us to humble ourselves and to make a public statement i'm not going to be here to talk to you because of the social distancing but but hear me you don't need to talk to me nearly as bad as we need to talk to him and if you feel the urge in your heart to come and pray do so if god's spoken to your heart or you need counseling or you need to become a christian or you have questions write that on that yellow card put it in the offering box as you leave and we'll contact you I ask this question, when when in your life as a thinking person did you become one of his sheep? You see, you don't don't become a child of God. You're not born a child of God. We're born with a tendency to sin. And as we sin as as a person and make choices that are wrong and that are outside of God's will... Sin grips our life, and that separates us from God. But God sent Jesus to die on a cross with his hand stretched out to build a bridge. God is on the one side, and you and I are on the other side. Christ Jesus himself in the middle and taking on our sins so that we can come to God and be his family and be his friends and be his people. That takes a deliberate, intentional act of faith. When did you do that? And if you've not done that, why don't you do that today? If you're at home, if you're watching via online, or if you're here, wherever you are, God is near and he's waiting on you to say, and here's the kind of prayer I'd pray. Oh Lord, I know I've sinned and I, I may have gone to church, but I'm not yours. And today I give myself to you. I accept Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. I want to be your sheep. Come into my heart. Come into my life and teach me to walk in your ways. And if you'll pray that with a sincere heart, God will do that. If you do that, would you please get in touch with me? Send us an email, a text, a card. Let us know so we can counsel you and pray with you. Whatever the Lord's calling you to do in your heart, do it where you are. And if he calls you to signify it in some other way, do so. Worship with us, and then we'll be dismissed. Thank you for being here. Isn't it good to be together? Amen. Amen. I just can't hardly stand not hugging some of these kids up here, but uh, that time will come. Let's go forth today with, uh, with the joy of the Lord and remember, He split the sea so we can walk through it. He hung on a cross and bled so we have an advocate with the Father and we can become His very own. I was a kid, I don't remember the occasion, but I remember the occasion, and I said in my heart, and I said to God, with your help, I will not live my life based on fear. And every one of us need to make that declaration. I will not live my life based on fear, because I have a Father who says, fear not. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for the day, for all your blessings. For all your people, it's good to be together. Go with us, encourage us, and as we walk this week, remember, help us, O Lord, to remember that you are our shepherd. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in want, because you are our shepherd. And God, when there's a shadow over our life, help us to remember that you give us a place to sit and rejoice and be refreshed we may not feel that now but it's coming because you're our shepherd thank you lord for those who are watching and those who are participating here in life in jesus name may your blessings be with us as we go amen don't forget the offering boxes if you made a commitment to the lord put it on that card and let me know